What's up, everyone? Welcome in to the Round 6 Podcast, MMA Podcasting's Pound for Pound number one. We are your hosts, Keaton Cordell and Jake Smith, coming to you from Fort Worth, Texas and Denver, Colorado. It's been a great week. It's a great week for UFC fans to come in, ready for UFC 278, but we've got a lot more to talk about than just UFC 278. Stay tuned later for all of our betting picks on the card this Saturday. But Jake, I think we would be remiss if we didn't start by talking about last week's card, obviously Cheeto versus Dominic Cruz at the top of the card. That was an insane finish. We saw Cheeto get one of the most savage head kick knockouts I think I've ever seen in my life. Just completely tore Dominic Cruz's nose right off his face. A lot of action on the Contender Series recently, but let's start with Cheeto versus Dominic Cruz. Jake, what are your thoughts? Yeah, last week's main event was pure Cheeto Vera. Takes it very slowly, looked just like the Rob Font fight. Dominic was coming out looking hot. They're showing the live lines throughout the fight. Cheeto starts off, I think, minus 300. All of a sudden, it's going down to minus 150. Now we're at an even line going into round four, but Cheeto looks just like he did against Rob Font. He doesn't even look like he's been in a fight yet. And then he gets the nasty head kick knockout in two and a half minutes to the fourth round. I think we should take a look at the division really quick, see if that was enough to catapult him into a title shot. We've got number one, Jan, who is already scheduled to fight 13 O'Malley. Number two, Dillashaw scheduled for the title shot three is aldo who's fighting this weekend against marab who's number six four sandhagen already booked against 10 song Yudong, and then we're sitting at five with cheeto so the division is fully stacked up as it is right now we kind of have to wait and see what happens throughout the next couple weeks with aldo marab we need to see what happens with dillashaw and the champ but as of right now i think that head kick was that, that was style points that may be enough to catapult him right to the top what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I can't agree with that more. I think what you need to see and what you need to show Dana White when you're looking for a title shot is is big action, big style points, and a big finish. And Cheeto did all of that. Obviously, he's kind of known for being a slow starter. We saw a little bit of that in this fight. But mm-hmm. I would also argue that just about anyone kind of has a tough time getting started against Dominic Cruz. Obviously, he's one of those guys with just unbelievable footwork. He's got unbelievable movement dipping in and out of the pocket and uh i think that just about anyone in the ufc would be hard pressed to get a really solid start against dom but we saw cheeto kind of start to slow him down he landed some good leg kicks did a lot of good work and and eventually was able to find the finish i think one of my favorite things from that fight was perillo and cheeto's corner saying Hey, he's dipping his head off to the right side. If you can throw that power left, it's going to find a home. And and sure enough, it did. We saw Dominic Cruz just get put out stiff uh, and and one of the most vicious knockouts I've seen in a while. So I think Cheeto absolutely did everything he has to do to earn that title shot. Obviously, it it was just a a no contest Mm -hmm. domination against Rob Font. So I I don't know what else he needs to do aside aside from just sitting back and waiting for the division to kind of sort itself out and for him to find his way to a next his next title shot. Yeah, to go off your point, though, about Dom, what do you think about what Cheeto said in his post-fight interview that 
he thinks Dom's level of fighting is actually a low level. The, all the head movement, all the footwork would work for boxing, but he doesn't believe it's high level for MMA. What do you think of that when you see Dom is sitting at, what is he, 18 and I guess four now in his career? He's barely ever lost. Yeah, it's that's kind of hard to believe for me. I feel like the name of the game, especially nowadays with all of the diversity of strikes that we see is movement, high level stuff from from all of these guys. Um, and it's worked for Dom for how many years now? I mean, he, he used to be the WEC champ. Like, I, I just, I, I don't think that's low level to me. I think that maybe it's kind of an old school style as far as uh, getting in and out of the pocket, moving your head off to the side a little bit. But obviously, we he, Cheeto exposed that that style does have weaknesses. So um, I, I think there's a case to be made. But no, I, I think Dom's still fighting at an extremely high level. And, and I hope to see him get I back completely in there agree. and get a win. I mean, yeah. he... If Cheeto didn't get the knockout, there's no telling what, what was going to happen with that fight, honestly. Like, if that went to a decision, there's really no telling. Like, yeah, yeah, that, no with doubt that about that. fight per se, I was like, yes, you could look at both of them and say, okay, Cheeto clearly won this fight. But I was honestly still nervous going into the cards when you see Rob Fonts throwing 500 significant strikes because you just never know anymore. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I, I do think Cheeto is a guy, the kind of guy that gets stronger as the fight goes on. Um, so I think there's something to be said for, you know, him turning it on in the third, fourth and fifth rounds, but obviously Cheeto took the judges out of the equation with that head kick. So you got to give it to him for that one, but, um, love talking about last week's card, but I kind of want to move on to what we've seen in the contender series over the last couple weeks. Uh, one thing that I want to say is this past Tuesday, all five fighters got a contract. I think they all fought extremely well. We saw three crazy knockouts. Um, but by and large, as far as I'm concerned, the the shining star of this season on the Contender Series is still Bo Nickel. I mean, absolutely. Uh, Bo Nickel's got a second matchup booked already on the Contender Series against Donovan Beard on September 27th. On paper, this should be a much tougher opponent. Um, Beard is sitting at 7-1 and one right now, including a CFFC title win in his last outing. Uh, Bo Nickel really shouldn't have any problems with him. He's just your typical MMA fighter coming out of a low-level promotion. He is no top 15 UFC fighter, which Bo seems to think he can take on right now. Um, I would like to get your take on that with seeing other fighters like Anthony Smith and Luke Rockhold saying they believe he'd be absolutely abused in the 85 pound division um i would like to know what you would think of that like how do you see bo nickel against let's look real quick number nine darren till how would you match up bone like come on now like, yeah I, no? I think it's it's a tough comparison though right because bo nickel's only got a couple professional fights there's not like a huge sample size for us to pick from of oh he's faced this guy that was a grappler and he won or oh he faced this guy who's a, a, a primarily a striker and he won or lost Either way, so we just haven't seen enough. So as far as I'm concerned, the the main thing that we would need to be able to make a comparison like that and to be able to accurately say what we think is just more fights out of Bo Nickel. We need to see him get tested. I'd love to see him get a really decisive finish in this next fight so he gets a contract and, and see him in the UFC and see who they put him up against that you know really high-level talent. Um, I, I think it's kind of a long shot to say that he would just get walked through from some of these guys. Obviously, if you put him up against guys at the top of the division – there's probably a case to be made for that too. I mean, but those yeah. guys all have how many professional fights? Bo Nickel has two. I mean, it's. Yeah, I wouldn't put him against the likes of like a Derek Brunson or anybody yet. Like somebody who actually has a wrestling pedigree as well as MMA background has been doing it for a long time. But I mean, 
And Andre Muni is at 10, who's a grappler. Uh, Darren Till at nine is a Muay Thai fighter. Some of these guys, I don't think they can keep up with the wrestling pedigree of a Bo Nickel. I mean, and if, not if, when he does get this contract, are they going to throw him right into the Wolves, you think? Or are they going to give him a couple tune-up fights? I think you probably give him a couple tune-up fights. Maybe just one. I mean, if he just walks through whoever it is, then yeah, you know, mm-hmm. you got to throw him in there with someone that, that he can take. But, you know, we even saw one of the most impressive people ever on the contender series and Sean O'Malley, how many tune-up fights did he get before he cracked the top 15? I mean, I think that's very true. I think Bo nickel gets, I mean, at least two or three fights against not guys that they think that he's just going to easily beat, but against guys that he can really work on his skills. Cause like Ariel Helwani said it perfect in my mind a couple weeks ago, but here in about two or three years, Bo Nickel's going to be a problem. Like there's no avoiding oh, yeah. that. So as far as I'm concerned, once you get him a few fights, let him work on his skills, let the hands and the striking catch up to the level that his wrestling is at, and let the wrestling come up even more. I I don't see why he's not right in the mix in the top 10 or even the top five. Yeah, speaking on that uh, Helwani interview, Bo was talking about how right now, at this moment, he would be extremely confident against the champ out of Sanya. And, (laughs) I mean... I, I, I don't know a lot to say he, he shouldn't be, you know what I mean? Like, we did see Adesanya fight Jan Blahovich, who just absolutely wrestled the hell out of him. Couldn't do anything, couldn't get up off the ground. And you know Jan doesn't have the wrestling pedigree of a Bo Nickel. But can Bo get in on the legs? That's what we wouldn't know. Yeah, well, and he would have, Izzy would have just such a, a crazy reach advantage too, oh, right? But I think it's it's comparing apples to oranges right now to be talking about Bo Nickel versus the champ. I just it's way too early. Like we're like two years too early. Uh, but it's no, it's no. it's fun to think about. And you gotta love. I think one thing that that says about Bo Nickel that kind of speaks to an attribute or an intangible of his that not necessarily all fighters have is his confidence. Right? Mm-hmm. Like to be two professional fights into your career and already eyeing the top talent not only in the, the middleweight division, but potentially in the world. That speaks to his confidence. He's a guy that thought he would open as a minus 10,000 favorite, you know, in his last contender series fight. So I, I love the confidence. I, I, I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So moving on from the contender series to this week's upcoming card, UFC 278 in Salt Lake City. It's going to be a banger, Jake. I, I think we've got just a whole litany of just ridiculous fights on this card. The early prelims, all pretty solid fights. The prelims, we start to see it pick up a little more and a little more. What are you looking for on these prelims uh, this Saturday to kind of kick off what could be one of the most exciting main cards we've seen in a while? I think to start off the prelims, Miranda Maverick and Shawna Young is going to be a great fight. Miranda's coming in as a heavy favorite, training out of Denver. I actually do train with her over at Pound for Pound here in Denver. She's looking like an absolute animal coming into this fight. Her grappling is on point. Her striking is on point. She's been teaching jujitsu classes now, so you know her, her ground game is there. I could see her pulling off a sub any moment in this fight. And then we head into Sean Woodson, Luis Saldana. Sean Woodson coming in as another heavy favorite. He does have the knockout win on the contender series against Terrence McKinney, who has just been an ex- absolute explosion in the UFC lately. He's, he's a first-round fighter, and that's it. You're getting either him knocked out or he's getting a knockout. That fight against Drew Dober that he had, awesome. But Sean Woodson, he does have the knockout against McKinney. So I'd be looking at Sean Woodson heavy right here. After that, we do have Jared Gordon, uh, Leonardo Santos, followed by Marcin Tibora and Alexander Romanov. 
I, I think I'm, as far as the early prelims go, I'm most excited about that featured bout in Romanov versus Tybora. Mm-hmm. I think both guys just bring so much to the table. Um, you know, Romanov's one of those guys that you look at and you would just be scared to stand in there against, right? Like, he's got just crazy wrestling, he's got crazy submissions, and he's got knockout power. I would almost put him up against uh, the the name is escaping me right now, but his name's the Polar Bear, and he's in the top five. I know exactly who you're talking about. It's, it's, it would be a same, great matchup. Yeah, it's the same style, right? And we've seen that style do really well, not only in the heavyweight division, but everywhere in the UFC. And I don't think that that's going to be any different here. Obviously, Tybora's got some good wrestling. He's got good hands. Uh, no, no disrespect to him at all, but I, I just don't see this as any contest whatsoever for Romanov. He's defending a 16-0 record, coming off of a win in his last fight. Not quite as tall, doesn't have quite the reach, but I I just don't think that matters. It doesn't matter if you've got a three-inch reach advantage, if you've got someone hugging your knees and taking you down. Like, It's just not going to do anything. Reach doesn't matter if you're on your back, you know, so... Mm-hmm. That fight you that. mentioned against uh, Survey Spivak, that would, uh, that would actually yes. be, yeah, that would be a great fight. Now that I'm looking at it, Spivak's only loss in the UFC looks to be against no, he's got two: Tom Aspinall and Walt Harris several years ago. But besides yeah. that, he's on quite a win streak. Some big names as well. That could be a great fight coming out of this. Yeah, I don't know who would win that one, but I we'll see. Sp- Spivak's cracked the top ten by now, um, so obviously Romanov has a little bit of a ways to go. But I would expect great things out of Romanov, and we'll get to Romanov a little bit more coming up here in just a minute. But let's move on to the main card. This is honestly a main card that I've been looking forward to for a while. Um, We get to see Tyson Pedro back in action for the second time this year. I'm super high on Tyson Pedro. Uh, We've got Wu Yanan and Lucy Pudilova uh, in the Bantamweight division. And then, my lord, these last three fights, Jose Aldo, Rob Dwalishwili, Paulo Costa, and the return of former champ Luke Rockhold, and of course, Kamaru Usman, the pound-for-pound number one, taking on Leon Edwards. I, I mean, Rocky. what a card. Th- this card is insane. This this card is absolutely madness. Leon's finally getting his opportunity after, what is he on? Is he a 10-fight win streak now, 11-fight win streak? Uh, like, yeah, it's a hell of a streak. It's Leon a is finally getting his chance. Paulo Costa, we'll see if he makes weight against Luke Rockhold. <laughs> Luke Rockhold coming back, who's never gone to a decision, so that fight should be an absolute banger. Marab Aldo, there's a lot that could be possibly set up there with Marab possibly getting the title shot against his training partner. We got Aldo possibly getting a title shot, which could happen in Rio. I mean, there's there's a lot of possibilities to come out of this fight if one of them gets a big, uh, a big what would we say, style points, knockout, finish. Yep. Yeah, a- absolutely, absolutely. And I think uh, the the Paulo Costa-Luke Rockhold fight is just so intriguing to me for so many reasons. Obviously, Paulo, like, coming up before he fought Israel for that the championship uh, a couple years ago, like, he, he looked unstoppable. I, I, he probably still is, but he was one of your favorite fighters for the longest time. And, and you could see why when you see the fight, like, against Romero or the fight's against some of the earlier guys he fought in his career. but When he put a beating on Johnny Hendricks, my God. Yeah, like, yeah, okay. Po- yes, Post-Usada, Johnny Hendricks, <laughs> yes. put an asterisk in the corner for that Yes, one. yes. However, but still impressive, nonetheless. Beating. Former champ. Um, but, but yeah, that fight's crazy. I think this is a fight that's so intriguing to me 
because you really like don't know what you're going to get. Rockhold hasn't fought in like three years. We we last saw him in a, a brutal knockout loss to Jan Blahovich when Blahovich was starting to go on his little run to the championship at 185, or excuse me, at 205. I apologize. Mm-hmm. And uh, Paulo Costa, like we said a minute ago, seemed un- unstoppable for four, five, six fights in a row. And then he goes up against the champ, and we just haven't seen the same Paulo Costa since. He's been missing weight, missed weight in the fight against Vittori that had to get moved up to 205. Drinking um, wine. Yeah, drinking wine the night before a fight because he couldn't sleep. And Ugh. I guess he couldn't find melatonin anywhere that week. Who knows? But I think that this fight's so intriguing because it, it's such an X factor, right? Like, mm-hmm. we could get... Not drunk Paulo Costa. We could get Luke Rockhold when he was in his prime. We could get none of that, and both guys might get knocked out. Who knows? It, it's I was going to really, say, we, we haven't really seen, fight. Yeah, we haven't really seen much of Luke Rockhold. We definitely haven't seen good Luke Rockhold since 2017 against David Branch. But his last two fights, so his last three bouts that he's had booked have all been canceled. But his last two real fights have both been brutal knockouts to Blahovich and Yoel Romero. Paulo Costa ran through Yoel Romero. So does Rockhold even still have a chin? We, we have no idea if he still does. He's been in strike force. He's been in the UFC. He's done it all. Like your chin goes, especially at his age. He's been fighting since in the UFC since 2013. Yeah. And you got to like, wonder. Yeah. He, uh, he even got knocked out in 2013 <laughs> against yeah, Vitor Belfort. So. And you kind of have to wonder, like, not to put Luke Rockhold on, like, the same tier financially as, like, a Conor McGregor, because obviously there's no comparison there. But you kind of wonder, like, Luke Rockhold, and he might still. I'm not – I don't keep up with Tommy Hilfiger that much these days. But Luke Rockhold had a super successful modeling career with Tommy Hilfiger. And so when we kind of talked about this with – Ralph Lauren, I believe. Or Ralph Lauren, my bad, my bad. Ralph Lauren, yeah, you're you're 100% right. Yeah, you're 100% right. My bad. Um. But we kind of talked about this with Nina Nunez last week, and, and we saw her retire. So we weren't, you know, what the, the thought wasn't that far fetched. But when you've got things outside of the octagon that are kind of pulling you away, that seem more interesting, where you don't have to wake up and train every day, where you don't have to, you know, get hit and, and take a beating in training all the time, it, it almost seems like we see some of those fighters like get sucked out of the octagon a little bit from the standpoint of, well, I've got a good career here. Or I've got something going on in another aspect of my life. So why do I need to do this to myself? Why do I have to put myself through this every single day? Because fighting's a grind. Like you have to wake up as soon as your feet hit the floor. As Michael Chandler would say, you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and uh, and get to work. So um, that's for me why I just don't know what we're going to get out of Luke Rockhold. But nonetheless, super excited to see him fight. Yeah, I agree. You've got to wonder why. Like, what is his why? Why is he still fighting? Why does he still want to do this? He's been the champ. He's been everything. Like, why is he still fighting? What does he need to prove at this point? I don't know. Nothing in my mind, but obviously he doesn't feel the same. So, all right, let's let's get into the weeds a little bit here on this card. So, we're going to start throwing some picks out there for everyone. But first, just a little segment on this show that – doesn't really have anything to do with betting. You could bet these if you want to, but we're going to put in our picks to click for the week. So for those of you that don't know, our picks to click are two fighters or a fighter from each of us that we think is going to go out there, is going to put on a performance, and, and is going to set themselves apart from the rest of the card uh, this weekend. So without further ado, Jake, I'll turn it to you. What are you seeing in your pick to click for UFC 278? 
So for my pick to click this week, I'm taking Miranda Maverick. She is just on an absolute tear, in my opinion. She's got several first-round finishes, several second-round finishes. I don't think uh, that Shawna Young, who she's fighting with, I'm, I believe, one UFC fight, I don't think she's got anything to hold Miranda Maverick down. I think Miranda's going to come at her and get the finish inside the distance, more than likely. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that at all. I think that Miranda Maverick brings a lot to the table, and obviously you would know more than a lot of us because you train with her. Um, but for my pick to click this week, I'm going Tyson Pedro. Obviously, if you're betting the money line, you're going to have to mortgage the house to see any return on it. But I think Tyson Pedro is a really, really, really interesting character for a lot of reasons. I think primarily for me, Tyson Pedro is just one of those guys that is almost a generational talent, right? Like we saw him uh, blow out his knee against Mauricio Hua in 2018, spent you know two plus years recovering. It took him four years to get back into action. And then we last saw him earlier this year in just a crazy finish. So I think Tyson Pedro gets it done. And I think he kind of gets back on track as far as uh, getting his career back on. And, and now that he's training with City Kickboxing, I mean, I mean, how can you knock anything that he's got going on there? Um, so to, to get into it a little bit further, we're going to start throwing some picks out there at you. Uh, these are our round six picks, if you want to call it that. Uh, but first, we got picks of the week. Jake, you want to talk about picks of the week a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So our first pick of the week, we're going to have Kamaru Usman by decision. We have seen Kamaru lately fall in love with his hands, like he's been saying, or like Edwards has been saying. However, if we look at the first fight, I don't think there's going to be a big difference in what happens. I think Kamaru's just going to have to wrestle. I, th I don't think he really should be standing up with Leon Edwards. I don't think that'd be a smart decision. I think the smartest way to take this fight is to just wrestle him, hold him against the cage, hold him on the ground, dominate him for five rounds, and leave with a decision. Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. I think that's the smart path to victory, too. Um, so our, our next pick of the week is Alexander Romanov in a double chance, courtesy of DraftKings Sportsbook, by TKO knockout or submission at minus 120. Uh, I think Romanov gets it done either way. You're basically just betting that he's going to finish the fight, which I think he will. And uh, that, the smart money there is, is just to go with that double chance as far as I'm concerned because we've seen a knockout or two from Romanov. We've definitely seen some submissions. I personally think he's going to submit him, but, but who knows. But either way, you're just basically taking a finish there, getting Romanov's line at a little bit better odds, and I think that's an easy pick of the week for me. Yeah, I totally agree with that one. Next up, we've got yeah. Albazi versus Figueredo under two and a half rounds. So the favorite – in this is the over, uh, but I, I really feel like this is going to hit the under, uh, and you're getting it at plus money, so I, I think that's a smart bet. I didn't read too much into that one when I was looking at lines. This is just one that kind of stood out to me, um, so I, I think that's a, a smart pick, and uh, that's why it made our picks of the week. Now, Jake, I think it's you... a smart pick. I think it's a smart pick looking at the underdog in this in this one because Figueroa. He is only won by decision two times ever. Almost every single one of his fights does not go the distance. So he's either going to get the finish, sub, or knockout, or he's going to get finished, in my opinion. I do not see this one going the distance, especially with all the athleticism at that uh, smaller weight class. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with that at all. And then you, last night when we were talking about our picks, just dropped an absolute bomb on me saying that you wanted Rockhold by sub at plus 1,000. Can you kind of talk about your thought process on that one? 
Yeah, let me pull up his uh, his record really quickly and why I'm taking Luke Rockhold by sub. Paulo Costa, we saw him pull out his black belt against uh, Israel Adesanya in the weigh-ins. I mean, come on now. That's – no. Like, I'm not buying it. I don't think you're buying it. None of us are buying Paulo Costa as a black belt on the ground. We have seen Luke Rock. So, Rockhold is training with Perillo right now. We've seen who he came up with. Kane, DC, Islam, Habib. Rockhold's been on the ground. Rockhold's trained on the ground. He's been there with the biggest and the baddest. Like, he knows what he's doing. And if we look at his record, Rockhold does have submissions throughout his record. Lyoto Machida, fellow Brazilian to Paulo Costa. Michael Bisping, Tim Bosch. Like, he has subs on his record. I think he's going to be able to take – because he doesn't want to stand with Costa either. I think he's going to be able to take Costa down, wear him out, and get the sub. And at plus 1,000, throw a little sprinkle on that. You put five bucks on there, 50 bucks right there. Like, that's yeah. quite yeah. a bit to gain on a little to lose. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind that pick at all. And then our last pick is going to be the Maverick versus Young over. Uh, I think that's a solid pick. We, you know, we see – I'd like to see the splits. No disrespect to any women in the UFC, but I think we see a lot of women's fights – that go the distance and uh, it's not a bad thing, but I think it's just a smart pick from a betting standpoint to say that it's going to go the distance because the, the majority of those fights do go the distance. Yeah. If you um, look at every single, every Miranda Maverick fight from 2021, all three of them were decisions. She does have a sub this year. However, she could like, I, I think she could still pull off the sub in this hit. I think she can wear out Shawnee young for two and a half rounds and pull off a sub late in the third round. But besides that, if she doesn't, I do think she's just going to wear her out and it's going to go to decision being easy 30-27. Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree with that. So those are our picks of the week. Moving into the next one, we got our underdogs of the week. Jake, who you got? So my underdog of the week, I do not understand, to be honest, how this is an underdog. Um, We're taking Romanov versus Tabora under one and a half rounds at plus 160. Um. There's just there's no reason that two heavyweights should be plus 160 for under one and a half. Almost every single one of Romanov's wins, submission or knockout, have all come within that one and a half. So I, I just don't see how Tibor is possibly going to outlast after the first round. Like I would take this inside round one, to be honest, as well. Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. I think Romanov gets a quick finish as well. And then my dog of the week, you got to go with him in a matchup like this. But Luke Rock holds money line. I really think is a solid pick because you just don't know what you're going to get out of Costa. Sure, you don't really know what you're going to get out of Rockhold either, but it's worth throwing some money on, in my opinion. Um, just because if Paulo Costa can't sleep the night before and drinks a bottle of wine, then Luke mm-hmm. Rockhold probably wins this fight. I think Rockhold and Israel Adesanya really have a lot of similarities, especially when Rockhold was in his prime uh, at the top of the division. So at, at almost a three to one dog, I, I don't see why that's not worth throwing some money on so therefore luke rockhold plus 290 that was an easy dog of the week pick for me let's get into our parlay of the week jake you put this one together so i'll let you take the people through this what are you thinking so we're obviously sticking with three heavy favorites pretty much my thought process on this is to get kind of each one of these guys at just that even money basically i don't see leon edwards pulling off a win I don't see Tabora pulling off a win, and I don't see Saldana pulling off a win. Sean Woodson should get the knockout inside the distance. Kamaru should be able to wrestle him, and Romanov should be able to get the sub, should be able to just dominate on the ground, should be able to dominate the whole fight. I think all three of these guys are very easy picks, and to get three plus, or minus 300 favorites, 
up to a plus 110. I think this three-leg parlay is something to slam. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I think one of my favorite styles as far as picking parlays is picking heavy favorites that you're really confident in and getting their lines at, a, at better odds. I do that all the time, and I think that's an easy decision for our mm-hmm. parlay of the week here. And our last pick of the week, perhaps my favorite pick of the week, whip out the hammer. <clears throat> it's the Hebrew hammer of the week. Jake, you're the Hebrew. Let's see the hammer. What you got? Hebrew hammer of the week. We're taking Marab the machined Valishvili's money line. Marab is an absolute machine, just like his nickname says. That fight against Marlon Marais was, and we were there live in person, that may have been one of the absolute best fights I have ever seen in my life. That back and forth, knockdown, get up, knockdown, get up. You do not know who's winning that fight. And then Marab just puts it on him. It was an absolute masterclass to watch. And every other fight Marab's had has been the same. Most of them end up going to decision other than this one against Marias. But these decisions are pure dominance, pure 30-27 dominance, pure 30-25 dominance. Against Cody Stamen, he couldn't do a thing. John Dodson couldn't do a thing. Casey Kenny couldn't even get up off the ground. Marab is a true machine. And if he wins this fight, there's quite a story to be told. With, like, what happens then if he, gets a, if he gets a finish, if he finishes Jose Aldo and the champ stays the champ, what happens then? Yeah, I, I think that's actually a super interesting thought that you bring up because those are two guys that train together. And we've kind of seen it before where like two guys train together and one has to move, but which one's going to move? Like they're both Sarah Longo guys. So who's going to like pick up camp and move somewhere else? Or I mean, if they're going to somehow train in the same gym? I don't think seen, Ray Longo can be in two corners at once. So I don't know how that's going to work. Well, we've out, seen but. Sterling. We've seen Sterling say that if Marab were to get that title shot, he's going to give up the title. He says it's his brother's turn. So, yeah. but in it's my opinion, thought. in my opinion, I have absolutely zero interest, like zero interest in seeing Aljamain move up to 45 to fight Volk. I don't want to see that. Like, I don't want to see that at all. No, it's it, talk about dominance. Like, there's there's no chance for Aljo in my zero mind. Chance. No chance zero. whatsoever. All right, guys. So that's, uh, that's everything that we've got for this week. Hope you like the picks. Get them in nice and early. Get the best lines that you can. And uh, let's go make some money this week. UFC 278 comes to you live from Salt Lake City this Saturday. Super excited for it. Jake, you have anything else you want to say before we sign off? This card's just going to be a banger, and I'm looking forward to it. And I'm excited to see uh, what we bring out of this next week. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. We'll be back at you next week. We'll recap our bets from this week. We'll talk about upcoming cards. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to drop episodes every single Friday. So give us a follow at six round round six pod on Instagram, follow the YouTube channel. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to make a lot of money. So that's it for us this week until next time. Y'all have a good one.